Hey guys, you're listening to episode 62 of the Finish Line podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. Today, we're talking to Nate and Bailey Eller from Arkansas. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Cody, and I'm here with my co-host and brother, Keelan. Today, we're talking to Nate and Bailey Eller. God began working in Nate and Bailey's hearts early in their marriage when they were living on very little. As their income increased over the years, God also grew them significantly in their ability to give generously, rooted in a desire to be part of his story. And they've involved their four kids in the process along the way. Stay tuned to hear all they had to share. Before we get started, I just wanted to mention our Finish Line Sprints. If you've been getting a lot out of this podcast and are looking for a way to take it to the next level, then you should consider starting or joining a Sprint. A Sprint is a guided program for small groups meant to lead you through biblical themes related to wealth and money, while allowing you to explore the restored freedom and purpose that comes with choosing a financial finish line. The Sprint Guide is completely free and available on our website, at finishlinepledge.com slash sprint. Sprints are also completely self-led, so you don't need a trained leader or someone who's been through the program before. All you need are a couple friends to get started. Check it out and get a group together today. With that, let's get to the interview. We have Nate and Bailey Eller with us on the show tonight. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Can you just get us started tonight? Just tell us a little bit about yourselves and your background. Yeah, Nate, you want to start? You bet. <laughs> so I grew up in the North Little Rock area in Arkansas and, you know, really grew up in a church background. I grew up going to church and was always raised in that. But as I grew up, I kind of had this idea of God as somebody that I had to really work my way to, like, get his approval or his acceptance so I grew up trying to be moral, but obviously I always fell short of that. And I honestly, I was just like chasing something that I could never catch, you know. And so through junior high and high school years, it really left me exhausted, but it left me also wanting something more. And I never quite knew what that was. You know, I always fell into this rhythm of like, oh, I'd I mess up and I had to try to get my way back to God. But that was my view of who God was, is I had a relationship with him if I was doing good. And if I wasn't, then I didn't have a relationship with him. But that all began to change. It was really my freshman year of college, went off to college and a couple big kind of life events and things happened. And I realized that I was just in a dark place a couple of now looking back I I know what it was you know but idols at the time my identity was in a few things that all collapsed at the same time and it left me really just searching and wanting to know like there's got to be more to this life than this like I was pursuing religion you know I was just trying to work my way to like something that would fill the emptiness that we all have you know and it looks different for everybody for me it was 
it was religion, you know, for others, it might be drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be, but it left me empty. And I just specifically remember one time in that fall of my freshman year, I was just broken on the floor of where I lived. I was broken in my closet. And it was just that moment of like, God, like there's got to be more. Like I'm exhausted. I'm not fulfilled. I'm empty. And I knew, like I knew all the things like in my mind, but I just didn't believe in Jesus in my heart. So a couple months later, I got invited to this conference that was in Chattanooga, I believe, or Nashville. And the guy is funny, is actually the worship leader there that he sang this song that was called Not What My Hands Have Done. And then he followed it up with a verse out of Isaiah 64, 6. It says, all of us have become like one who's unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And he just explained the gospel. Like you can never be good enough to get to God. Like even your goodness, your righteous acts, they're like filthy rags compared to him. And he explained, you know, that's why Jesus came. Like he loves us. He wants us. He's pursuing us. And like, while we're searching, like everything that we're searching for is found in Jesus. He came for us. He died for us. He rose for us to reconcile us back to the Father. And that was the first time in my entire life of hearing, growing up in church, I heard the gospel of Jesus a hundred times, probably more. But that was the first time where like in my heart, it was real. Like I understood it. I felt the love of Jesus. I felt the pursuit of Jesus. And I was actually the first time that I was broken over my sin. And I, you know, repented of my sins and I put my faith in Jesus. And it was crazy what happened after, because that's when everything changed. Because afterwards, it was not that I was trying to work to get to God, but it was like I understood His love for me and that Jesus died for me and that he rose for me. And from that, it was like, man, I've, now I've got to tell the world. So I'm not, you know, trying to go to church out of obligation. I'm going to church because I want to know this God. I'm not trying to read my Bible out of obligation. I'm reading my Bible because I'm like enamored by, you know, the God of the universe that loves a human like me and would give everything so that I might find him and be with him. So that's kind of like, that's God's story in me and how that's unfolding is really neat the past 12 years now, 13 years. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to get into kind of what happened next. But Bailey, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I was also raised in church. I was like when I was born, probably like the next Sunday, I was probably there. It's kind of how I was raised. And so raised in church my whole life. I was a, my story's a little different. I was actually saved at a young age, at the age of five. I was a very literal child. I thought through things like very deeply as a child. And I've actually kind of wrestled with it over the years of like, when did I really give my life to the Lord? But I do believe it was when I was five. I remember talking to my mom when I, it was in the middle of the night and I just woke up and had had this dream and I wanted to talk about it. And we went into the living room and my dad, she woke up my dad and they asked me some questions and read some verses just to make sure that I understood what was going on. But I do believe that that is the time whenever I gave my life to the Lord. 
um, surrendered. I realized my sin, realized that I needed Jesus and gave my life to him there in the living room. But moving forward from that, I had a great family. My parents were great and my church was great. I do, however, feel that I didn't, I wasn't really growing after I gave my life to the Lord. I kind of got into this mindset of, okay, I've given my life to Jesus. Now I'm just supposed to do the right things and do what I'm supposed to do and be moral. And there's really nothing else there for me. Like I want to keep following God, but as long as I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do, that's what I'm like, that's it. And I just didn't really understand the full relationship and just the richness and the excitement and just the passion of what the relationship could be. Didn't understand what that was. And so moving on, fast forward to my freshman year of college as well, which I was the year behind Nate in school. So, and we didn't go to the same school, which we'll get into that later, but I was a year behind him, but it was my freshman year as well. And I got involved in a campus ministry. I did sports in college. And so some of the older girls that were following the Lord just really took me under their wing and started showing me and discipling me and showing me how to have a quiet time and all these things. And really quickly, I realized that there was so much more to know and to experience with my relationship with the Lord. So really my freshman year of college is when I started growing in my faith and growing in my relationship with, with God and with Jesus. And so that's kind of my story. And, you know, once I started realizing being in the Word and being discipled and memorizing Scripture and all these things, you start experiencing that. And then you obviously just want more and more and you want to continue to know the Lord more. So that's kind of since then, you know, once you experience it, you want to keep going. So just since then, the Lord just continuing to reveal Himself to me just by His grace and His mercy in, in my life, just to continue to work in my heart. So I'm super thankful for that and just for just older girls that were willing to disciple me and show me what that could look like. I know you guys have a heart for generosity. Maybe you can tell us how you guys met and where kind of in the line of things that God started to really stretch your hearts in the area of generosity. So we met my freshman year of college, so Nathan's sophomore year, and our stories of how we met are a little different because I don't remember, I guess, the first time that we actually (laughs) met, but he does, so... (laughs) But we met my freshman year of college and started dating, I guess, the spring semester and then got married the summer before my senior year of college. And I still had grad school to go and things. So we lived in married housing on campus for a couple of years. And while I was finishing that up, so we met through mutual friends within the campus ministry that I was a part of. And one of Nate's best friends was involved in it. And so he would come visit and that's kind of how we met. Went to separate schools that were about, I guess, three hours away from each other. And grew up 30 minutes away from each other as kids, but never met until college. But I do feel like the timing was just definitely the Lord because it was right as he was really starting to grow in his faith and seek after the Lord and right as I was really starting to understand what that looked like and pursue the Lord. And so I think, you know, obviously God knows, but the timing of when we met was definitely ordained by the Lord just in that season that we were in and just both really seeking to pursue the Lord. And so, Nate, anything you want to add on that? Yeah. I would also just say, like, and from there, we, you know, we got married while Bailey still had two and a half years of school left. 
and she ran on the cross country and track team. And I, you know, had my first job when we got married. So we were not making much money. You know, I think with my job was making like $28,000 a year. She had student loans. She was in school. So we didn't have a lot at the time, but we were committed to be wise with our money. And we both had a heart. And I knew this as well going into it as like we had a heart for one, the gospel to move forward, but also just for specifically like for the less fortunate to invest in that. Like we always had a heart for that. So we weren't able to do a lot, I guess you could say then, but I know God was preparing us, I feel like, for what he was going to do in the future. Yeah, that's really neat that both of you were like Bailey, like you said, the timing was so perfect and that you were both developing your faith kind of on parallel paths and meeting and growing together and from such a young age, understanding these things about scripture and the nature of God and starting to understand what it means to steward money from the very beginnings of your careers is a really, really cool story to have. I'm curious how that played out as you did finish up school, Bailey, and continue to progress in your career, Nate. Yeah, as Bailey finished up school, you know, and we are kind of big fans of trying to get out of debt, you know, as one of our goals. So we did try to aggressively pay off student loans as we could. You know, we had a little apartment on campus and we tried to save money that we could. And it's just kind of funny looking back, you know, we kind of had like the frozen pizza night every Monday night, you know, and like that was special as we, you know, <laughs> that was our date night, you know, and Can't we hope that. Yeah, we'd hope that grandma, you know, or somebody would give us a $20 gift card to Chili's, you know, it's like that was, that was special. So that's kind of how things started. But I would say, too, like I grew up from like some challenging financial times through middle school, high school years. So for me, I always wanted to be able to give because a lot of people gave and helped me and my family. So I feel like that plays into that a little bit. But as Bailey got out of school, we were able to pay off some of those loans and we were able to, you know, I got a new, a new job. And that was a real big faith story for me because I was in my current job for two and a half years. I had three promotions there within that time. And then one of my best friends now who he owns our company, he and I got together and through the Lord and through Bailey encouraging me to step out of faith, we did that. And what was extremely scary at the time, we didn't know, but God was going to use significantly. So one of the first things, though, we, you know, obviously gave to our church and we were going to tithe. And we did that from the onset, like from the beginning. And from there, though, we wanted to fund one of the Compassion International kids so additionally, like we did one together and then we kind of had this goal of like every year we wanted to do one more. So we did another one of those. And then as the years progressed and maybe five or six years ago, we began making more money and more than we I certainly feel we deserve and more than we needed. And our hearts grew to give more. And it was almost like every year we were going to try to like one up the year before, if you will. And every time God has proven to show more and more faithful 
and we've been able to give more progressively every single year since we've been married. So almost 10 years now come the summer. So that's been really neat to see God do that. And one of the things that we just really believe is that our money is not for us, but that it's for him and to return glory and blessing back to him. And even the thing that we say over our kids every night before they go to bed is Psalm 67, one and two. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that his name may be known on the earth, his saving power among all nations. So we believe that that's part of like our family mission is like if God blesses us, you know, with money, then it's so that we can bless others so that his name might be made great. So that's what we believe and God keeps doing it. And right now it's like we're just kind of in a fun time of giving and keeping our hands open to whatever he has for us. I wanted to ask about one specific thing you said. You said about five years ago, you got to the point where you had more than you needed. And I think that point is really easy to miss if you're not paying attention to the fact that there is a point where you have more than you need. And trying to answer that question, how much is enough? And we've talked about this many times, but I'd love to hear more about how the two of you came together and realized that you were past the point where you had what you needed and then some. Yeah. So I work for a commercial real estate company and I sell investment property. And obviously that is, you know, full commission based. So I've been in my job now for seven or seven and a half years. And a couple years into it, I began to realize like there's some good opportunity here and felt very unworthy of it. But at the same time, we were just like, okay, God, we really feel, Bailey and I feel very strongly that we're held accountable for what we have to how much has been given, much is required. It says in Luke 12, I believe. So we feel like there's much required of us that God has given us what we have for him. But we got to this point to where we had now since moved out of this little apartment, they kicked us off campus. I guess you can only live there if you, <laughs> you know, if you're in school. So they kicked us out and we had to figure something out. So we bought our first, you know, little three bedroom home in Arkansas. And we were like, oh my goodness, this is such a big deal. You know, it felt so expensive and so big at the time. And in anyways, things progressed and we were able to pay that off quickly. And then we just began to like, we wanted to live freely, like financially. We wanted to be able to give to things that we felt like mattered for eternity. So that's really when I feel like we started giving more and more things came on the radar. But my favorite thing, Bailey and I, you know, we still talk about this, but was at that same time, probably five years ago, I guess it would be now, five or six years ago, Bailey and I had been praying like, God, what do you want us to do beyond what we're doing right now financially? Like we did, we got to that point to where we wanted to do something that matters. And within a couple months of us praying that, literally there's this guy who's one of my mentors now. I love him to death. His name's John Huff. He goes to our church and he's a doctor in his fifties. And he came to our life group. It was global impact conference that week. And he comes to our life group. I never knew who the guy was until this time. And he just talks about how in Uganda, in Uganda, what we call the West Nile, but Uganda and 
the Congo border where those meet, he said that there's this work of God that's taking place in these villages and places where the gospel's never been. And he talked about this guy that's there that is just, that's from there. He's a native and he's sharing the gospel with people. He's raising up church planners and he's sending them out. He said, he's literally like a modern day Paul. So this takes place. He's like sharing all this with us. He's showing us these pictures. He's like, it's literally the best thing for your buck into the kingdom of God. I remember him saying that. And Bailey and I after were so compelled by what God was doing there. Like there's people getting saved. There's people getting baptized in these little creeks that are like muddy and nasty, you know. But there's these church planters that are going into the places in Congo that the gospel's never been to. And for us, it was like, this is it. Like literally, this is what God has for us. So five years ago, we started actually giving to fund church planters. Because one thing that Dr. Huff said is he said, it's crazy, but there you can fund a church planner to quit his job and go full-time ministry for $50 a month. And at the time, I think there were 12 church planners and Bailey and I were like, we're all in, like we'll fund them. And so we began doing that a year later or so. I got to actually go out there and meet a lot of them and help with one of the church plants. And now we still are, get to be part of what God's doing over there. And it's really neat. But that, I feel like, was an answer from God of like, hey, this is where I'm working. Come join me. And that's what I think is giving. Generosity is like an invitation from God. God's the generous one. He's given us more than we deserve, you know, especially through Jesus. And he's just inviting us to take on his spirit of giving what we don't deserve, giving it back to him. Yeah, and I think for us, like one thing— kind of going with that. One thing that we try to think about is whenever we're having to make a financial decision is will this impact what we're giving or what we will want to give in the future negatively? Mm -hmm. So will this be a decision that allows us to still give and feel freely, like Nate said, like open hands, like, Lord, where do you want us to give right now? Or is it something that will cause us to feel like we have to think of like hold back a little or not feel like we can be so open-handed in our giving. And so I think that kind of goes with it, but just kind of one of our things that we talk about a lot in our strategies is just in light of decisions, like, okay, is this going to make us feel a little bit more tight or will this allow us to still feel like we can be free in our giving? And whenever you see for like him going to Uganda and seeing firsthand, like what the Lord is doing there, it's like, when you experience that and you see that, it's like, how can you not want to give to those things? Like, those are eternal things. And you start thinking about, well, if I got this this new car, because I think around that time or in that same time we had talked about, we could give that money instead of spending it on a new vehicle or whatever it is that maybe that you want, putting that towards an eternal impacting thing like that. There's no comparison to that. It's like, wow, like, of course, wow, without, this is just something I can have a little bit nicer. And this is something that we can give that's going to impact eternity and that we may never even get to see, but we're trusting that the Lord is going to use it and impact people for his glory and his kingdom and generations and generations, not just presently, but in the future to come with how they're discipling and things like that. So I think that's one big thing for us that we try to think about. So it sounds like early on, 
God had actually really aligned your hearts and what he was doing through your hearts kind of in a really similar time frame. I'm curious for as the years went on and as you guys continued to grow and things changed, did he lead you guys in a similar path as far as how much to be giving at any point in time and also in, in where to give to? Do you guys feel like you kind of came to those same conclusions independently or that, you know, that it took some time to kind of figure out together what that looks like? Yeah, so we started really with, you know, tithing and then giving to missions through our church and then the Compassion International kids. And as we had kiddos, we wanted to support another kid that would, you know, be aligned with their birthdays just so they could kind of connect with that. And so we did that. Then we also began to give towards these church planners. But there was a point to where like every year, at least so far, you know, praise the Lord, but we've been able to give more every year. So I remember, I guess it would have been three or four years ago now. I remember we were giving like 17% of our income. And then the next year we tried to give 20%. And then, you know, at the end of the year, we would make another donation and 22%. So to where now what we try to do at the end of the year is commit, like we are going to give this percentage and we're going to give to these specific things that God's put on our heart for the coming year. So it's kind of like this baseline that like, this is kind of the baseline. This is as low as it's going to go, but Lord willing, you know, we'll give more and we're going to be open-handed still to whatever he may have additionally. So this year, this past year, we've been giving towards, you know, our church, our tithe. And then we've additionally been giving to our Build on Bethel, which is our church campaign to build an actual church. We're a temporary church right now hopping around. So we give 10% to tithe, 10% to that. And then we've committed 10% to a nonprofit called Never Thirst. On top of that, we do give to our church planners and there's a group called Radical. It's a nonprofit that's also geared towards reaching specifically unreached people groups and training up pastors and leaders to go there. So we give to that. And we are still though looking for other opportunities. And this is what I'd also just encourage like anybody. And I want to make a quick statement that like Bailey and I, we don't, we'd be the first to say we don't have it all together. We still wrestle. Literally this past week, we've been wrestling with like, oh, do we make this purchase or do we, you know, go this route? Or, you know, like Bailey said, is this the best kingdom investment? And we wrestle with those things. It's not easy. Like we don't have it all together in that. I just wanted to say that because I don't want, you know, anyone to think that like we've got it all together. But we do. We try to align our giving with our passions. So for us, like one of the things that is part of like our mission as a family is We love God, and from that, we share the gospel with lost people, we make disciples, and we help people in need. So our giving, everything that we give to falls under that category. It's like, is the gospel getting to places that it hasn't been? Yes. Like, are we making disciples of Jesus with our giving? Yes. Are we helping people in need with our giving? Yes. That's kind of how we look at that from like a giving standpoint and like where our heart is and our passions and how we try to align those things. And I think too, we've always thankfully 
been on the same page as far as giving. And I think when we start getting off track or thinking more about, it would be nice to have this or nice to have that. Thankfully, we're, I feel like the Lord's helped us to encourage each other to let's get our, our mind and our heart back where it needs to be rather than spending so much time thinking about this or trying to figure out what we're supposed to do or, you know, getting our hearts back on the right track. And so thankfully, I feel the Lord kind of has moved both of us at the same time through those things. And Nate does a really great job of leading that out. And whenever we have an opportunity saying, okay, he's really good. I feel like the Lord always does a good job giving him numbers. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. We should do kind of thing. And so the Lord really does that. He leads that out really well for us and for our family. And so thankfully, the Lord has just helped me and allowed me to, I just love getting to say yes. And the Lord does, I just like saying yes to that. And so the Lord's helped us to kind of be on the same mission with that. And we help each other kind of stay accountable with our attitude and our heart and our mind, keeping it on eternity. So I do feel like, thankfully, the Lord has allowed us to be on mission together in our giving. And so obviously, like he said, there's been times where we struggle and we want certain things or whatever it may be. And so just having each other to help each other keep our minds where they need to be. I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, I really appreciate your guys' framework for that. And I think having kind of a family mission statement or mission mindset about what your family is about really helps kind of guide a lot of the bigger decisions that come down the line and really help keep you both oriented in the same direction, like it sounds like has been the case for you guys I did want to point out real quick, we did have Matt Letourneau, the CEO of Never Thirst, on back in episode 18, if anyone's interested in hearing more about Never Thirst and what they do. And we also had Chris Hunsberger, the CEO of Radical, on back in episode 32. So if anybody wants to learn more about both of those ministries, they're doing fantastic work, and we got to dive in deep with those guys. Something you both talked about and mentioned was this ongoing decision-making process that you've developed. And I have the same thing with my wife, Stephanie, where we talk about purchases that we make and kind of the trajectory. And it's kind of a fluid conversation that we have throughout time. And at one time in my life, I thought I could rise above that just by earning as much as possible. So I didn't have to worry about choosing. I could just have everything. And I think what this demonstrates is not, it's not coming from a scarcity mindset of, I can't have all the things that I want, and therefore I'm worse off. It's more so, I have an opportunity to invest in a way that God has led me to in His kingdom. And the joy that comes from that outweighs having anything that I would want on my own without Him. And I just could really relate to the way that you talked through that. It's really not a money problem. It's a heart problem. So thank you for sharing that. I did want to ask you, I know you have four kids and each of you have a wonderful foundation in growing up in the church and starting to implement some of these concepts at an early point in your life. And I would love to hear how you are raising your kids and starting to introduce some of these topics like generosity to them. Yeah, I'll take that to start. I think... 
It's been really cool. I think the Lord is, I think naturally, as we have been giving, as the kids get older. So our oldest is six. And then we have a four, so six-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy. And then we have twins that just turned two twin girls. And so the past few years of talking with our six and four-year-old have been, it's been really good. We've tried to get them as involved as possible in our decisions and explaining where we're putting our money and why just to get them just thinking more eternally just in their everyday. And we've encouraged them. Right now, they are currently trying to raise money for a well with their Never Thirst and trying to think outside the box with creativity. What are things that you're good at? Like our oldest is good at art and things like that. How can we use the gifts that God has given us to raise money that so that we can provide this? So I feel like we really try to think through their giftings. And because I think as they grow, you know, even through your work, I mean, a lot of things that we do, I stay home personally, but, you know, through work, a lot of those things are things that we're good at or passionate about or gifts that we've been given from the Lord. And so using those things that he's gifted us with in order to give back. And I think a few examples this last year, so I started with their raising money for this well for their birthday. So we talked and we they did get gifts from family, but from friends that were invited to their birthday party, we asked for donations for the well instead of gifts for their birthday. And they were really on board with that. We just discussed that with them and we try as much as we can to just get them to understand just the importance of the eternal impact. And also just in the everyday we're going through like a disciple plan, discipleship plan with them and just teaching them the God's word and just praying that through just what his word says that they will understand the importance of giving and serving. I also think one big thing for them, which it kind of not necessarily with money, but it's giving in another way is we like to have people over a lot, hospitality and giving of our time and giving of our resources in that way and trying to help them understand the importance of having people and serving others through providing meals and providing food and having people in our home and just spending time with people and, you know, bringing them in so that we can share, if they don't know the Lord, share Jesus with them and just love them really. And just the importance of that, because even when you might not have the money to give. Those are other ways that you can give to others. It's just through your time and your resources that the Lord has given you. And so I think that that's one other way that we really try to encourage serving in them. Well, that's great. I th- you know, we also do, we'll try to make a point of whenever I get paid to remind them like, hey, let's praise God for this. And then whenever like we get to give towards something, we try to tell them hey, this is like what God's doing. This is why we are giving. We want them to always know that we are giving to further the mission of God for the people of God. And even now, it's like we drive by like where our church is building, for instance, where our church is going to build. And every day we drive by, we just put our hand out and we pray. And sometimes like our daughter, you know, it's just like, Daddy, you forgot to pray. Or like, they'll catch us, but we're always praying or we're always giving, we're always just trying to make them aware of what God's doing in their world around them. 
And I think another thing that we try to think about is listening to them and their ideas. Like, for instance, this year for Christmas, my son said, Mom, periodically we'll go through the toy room and I'll take out things that are not played with anymore and put them up in the attic. Y'all know how that goes. And so we have a bunch of toys in the attic we haven't played with in forever. And he said, Mom, I know what we can do with those toys. And I was like, okay, what should we do with the toys? And he said, we should give them to the kids in Uganda that they may not have toys. And I was like, that is a great idea. But obviously, you know, you can't really ship all that over there necessarily. But we have connections within our church and people that we know. Dr. Huff, that he was talking about, his daughter actually lives there and helps families and moms in the area and has a ministry of her own there. We're planning on contacting her about just giving a donation for her to provide the toys. So just seeing their heart and not wanting to wanting to encourage their creativity and their heart for giving when they have ideas and showing them like we've introduced them to Matt from Never Thirst and um, Brandon also and letting them share stories with them to get them to understand and to actually see and hear stories from people and why it's important and what our money can do there and like Nate said, always trying to give the glory back to God. Like, this isn't ours. Like, look at what God did so that we can help all these people. Like, that's, I feel like that's the view we try to portray to them whenever we get to give. So, I actually have a six year old, a four year old, a three and a two year old. I know exactly kind of what life looks like for you guys right now, but <laughs> I think you're exactly right about needing to be so transparent with what God is doing in your life and and leading you into. And I think it's really easy, you know, especially some of these decisions are really complicated and, you know, you're really talking it over with your spouse. It's easy to kind of accidentally leave the kids out altogether for many years, you know, well into their teens where they just have no idea all this that's going on in the background. And so the fact that you guys are able to so deeply integrate them, I mean, there's no way that doesn't have an impact you know, compounding over the years, being exposed to that kind of stuff as four or five, six years old, on and on, you know, they're going to be telling that as part of their story one day, when somebody is like, tell us your story. And they're going to be saying, well, I remember when I was four years old, you know, much like you guys shared about your own faith. And so it's just really cool to see that really on both ends of the spectrum through your story. So I'm curious, you know, as I'm thinking of somebody listening who is kind of interested in generosity, but has really not stepped out there or is really not sure what to do next. What are your thoughts or what you would tell somebody who's just kind of getting a taste of the world of generosity or somebody who wanted to take things to the next level? What are things that you have found helpful? Where would you tell somebody to start or look into? So for me, how I would encourage someone is really with what Bailey and I, what we feel like the Lord's led us to do and is to pray through like what your giftings are and what your passion is or your passions and give accordingly, you know? So like we're passionate about people hearing about Jesus. We're passionate about disciples being made and we're passionate about helping people. So we try to give to things that are moving those things forward, you know, for the glory of God and for the good of other people. So that's kind of like a broad picture, I guess. But I would also, too, just encourage people to remember, and this is what I do, like 
I think it's one of the most powerful things for my walk with Jesus is like, remember your story and remember how we like, we don't deserve God, but God made a way through Jesus for us to have a relationship with him. And from that, like, I love how second Corinthians says it for the love of Christ compels us because we're convinced of the gospel, you know, that one died for all and therefore all died. And those who died, you know, no longer live to themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So it's like, let the love of Jesus, you know, from the cross, from the resurrection, from your story, let that compel you to the things that are eternal. There's a book, I believe Mark Patterson wrote it, called Chase the Line. And I think he says in it something along the lines of like, we're always thinking right here, right now, but God's thinking nations and generations. And like, as we give, like we can give through that lens of like, we can either spend our money or we can invest our money. And just like we would do, you know, in the business world, it's like, we want to make good investments, but like, there's this eternal life that we can invest in where we know that like there's no waste like anything that we give to eternity is going on forever so that would be my encouragement i guess i know that's all you know maybe several different things but i always try to remember my story what god's done in me and just let that love that he has for us motivate us to like god we've got to we've got to do something for others you know and we got to make it count like you said earlier keelan i believe is this life is so short and no matter what we build in this world, like it's all going to end. Think of even, you know, C.T. Studd, the biography on him is, you know, it said that he said of his wife, he said that she regarded heaven as the safest bank. It's the only place where you will always get a return on your investment. It's the best investment that you'll ever make. It's the safest bank. And that's always been, that's been one of the most powerful quotes actually in my life and for us giving, but that's what, that's how I would, I think, encourage kind of the one that's on the fence is like, test God, test God, and he'll do more with your money than you could ever imagine. And I think something when we were thinking through this that Nate said that was really good, I thought was whenever you're thinking about giving, instead of seeing it as an obligation to change your perspective as it's a privilege and an invitation to give and not an mm. obligation. And I think when you think that way, it really changes your heart in that and helps you realize you're like it's an opportunity to get invited into God's story and being able to be a part of that. And so we just want to be part of that. Yeah, thank you for that. We love hearing about how God's been at work in your lives and brought you through so much. And I just want to take a moment and ask what you're excited about in the future over the next five to 10 years. What do you see going on or hope for that God continue to bring you into something very exciting? I'd say right now, Bailey and I both, because our kids are young, we are extremely passionate about family discipleship. So it's kind of been almost this new waters that we're navigating on, like, how do you best raise your kids up in the discipline of Christ, you know, but obviously making sure that we cultivate a love for Jesus. So, like, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, but also, like, be overwhelmed by the love of Jesus that he has. So we're trying to figure out, you know, 
I guess family discipleship is one thing that I would say that we're just excited about right now. There's just so much ambiguity going on in the world and uncertainty. And, you know, we can be fearful, I feel like, for our kids. But Bailey and I, I think, you know, by the Spirit have taken this position of like, we're not going to be fearful. We're going to be humbly excited about like our kids being able to like be a light in the darkness, like push back the darkness with the light. Like our kids have an opportunity to make a difference by the Spirit of God in them. So I think we're excited about raising our kids. That's one thing that that I would say is just like family discipleship, raising up our kids. Yes, I definitely think that just seeing how the Lord continues to work in them and just already questions like from our six-year-old that she's having about the gospel and things and just seeing the Lord continue. And they're all so different. And so it's fun to see their personalities and they're different from us. And I'm thankful that they are for me at least, but they're different in good ways. And they have, you know, these gifts that we're seeing and our older two, at least for now, we're still trying to figure out the twins, you know, but the Lord, you know, giftings in them that, that we're realizing and able to hopefully like continue to cultivate. And I just think seeing their giftings and enjoying seeing how and brainstorming and thinking like, Oh, how could the Lord use this, you know, and just really helping them, like Nate said, understand God's love for them and, just really wanting them to just step out in faith and in these areas that he's gifted them in and just use them for him, you know, and helping them understand that, you know, from a young age. And I think another thing is, so we live right now, we're in Northeast Arkansas, so like Jonesboro area. And so Paragold is just where Paragold kind of up there. And so our church is in Paragold and just seeing what the Lord is doing in our area right now. He's really doing a big work, and I think I'm just excited, and Nate is. We've talked about it, just to see what the Lord's going to continue to do in this area and how through what He's doing in this area, how it will impact generations and nations and just expecting, you know, for Him to send people out to other areas and just continue to move and work. And so I think we're, we're really excited to see what happens with that, too. Well, as we get to the end of the episode here, we want to leave some time for our manager's minute. We like to end every episode with one practical action our listeners can take to step into their role as stewards and manage God's wealth wisely. So, Nate and Bailey, do you have a suggestion for our listeners today? My suggestion, you know, it would kind of be similar to what I've, I mentioned a little bit earlier from a broad sense is like, think through, you know, what are you passionate about and how can you align your giving with what you're passionate about. And, you know, if you're looking specifically for something like Neverthirst is a great organization where they're not only meeting the physical needs of people that don't have access to clean water, but they're also reaching the unreached with the gospel of Jesus. So they're meeting both the physical and the spiritual need. And I mean, that would be like one specific that we would recommend. We've met those guys. We trust those guys. And, you know, we're giving towards that. And I would I would encourage somebody that's just like, hey, I want to find something to give to. That would be one that I'd recommend or suggest. And I think one just kind of more practical thing that I feel like the Lord's shown me is to just pay attention to people around you. 
like your friends or people that have a need that you can meet. So whether a friend makes a comment like, oh, it would be nice like if, for our family if we were able, to, if we had this or whatever it may be, you know, not even anything. It doesn't have to be anything big, but just something that, you know, could be a blessing to your circle or to your people around you and just paying attention to those things and looking for opportunities to give in those ways with people in your community or in your close group of friends. And so just kind of having an open ear and just the heart to discern when the Lord is leading you to give that way. Well, thank you both so much for taking some time today to share with us and share your story and so many of the incredibly valuable lessons that you've been learning along the way. It's really been a pleasure hearing from you. Thanks for having us. I've enjoyed it. It's been a blast. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line, the finish line movement, or anything else you heard on the show today, we'd love to hear from you. And now a quick question for you. Do you know anyone who is living a life filled with generosity, purpose, and mission? If so, we'd love to meet them. They don't need to have a financial finish line, and they don't have to have all the answers, just a heart to steward God's wealth to the best of their ability. If you know someone like that, we'd be honored if you would connect us. You can reach us on Instagram at finishlinepledge, through our website at finishlinepledge.com, or by email at hello at finishlinepledge.com. And finally, if you want to find any of our references or links from today's show, you can always find them in our show notes at finishlinepledge.com slash episode 62. That's it for today. We'll see you next time. <laughs>